Runner's Eye family, welcome back. This is episode number eight of our What's Inside the Box podcast, a show on all things running related. This week, we had the opportunity to chat with pro runners and former New Jersey standouts, Travis Mahoney and Rob Napolitano. Both Travis and Rob are at the pinnacle of our sport. Each have had successful collegiate careers before competing professionally on the track. 2024 is a big year for both of them. Travis, at 33 years of age, is still in PR shape, most recently running 1330 for 5K and 742 for the 3K on the famed track of Boston University. After competing at World Championships last year, Rob is on a mission to make the Olympic team in Paris this upcoming summer for Puerto Rico. We chat about their training philosophies, how they both got into the sport, their first times cracking the four minute mile barrier, racing in 2024, and much, much more. So without further ado, our conversation with Travis Mahoney and Rob Napolitano. All right, Runners High family, welcome back. We have two very special guests in the house with us tonight. Alongside me here are two of the fastest professional middle distance runners to ever come out of the state of New Jersey. We have Travis Mahoney and Rob Napolitano. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for having us. No, definitely. Um, Rob, I get, well, I would, we just said that I wasn't going to put you on the spot with anything. But we got to... Uh, it's starting hot. It's starting hot. <laughs> You're going to have a hot take. The pronunciation of your last name. Oh, I say Napolitano. Mm-hmm. Travis says Napolitano. No, I don't say Napolitano. Napolitano. I've heard you say it. No, I've never said it. D has said it. Mm-hmm. Rob definitely rolls like yeah. the Italian way. Yeah. But Napolitano works. Napolitano. Napolitano. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pronounce it any other way. <laughs> I feel like Rob's the only person that says it Napolitano. Like it's like the emphasis on like the first. Very heavy. Very yeah. heavy. Yeah. Yes. Like like. I was not taught that. Yeah. I yeah. think the way he pronounces it makes me not ever want to say it that way. Correct. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fine. I think yeah. since he says it way, I'm like e- it's probably wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still of like the the like guard that like calls you frosh. I yeah. feel like my high school kids. Yeah. Now still call me Frosh. They still call me Frosh at yeah. 29. At 29 years old. Yeah. Yeah. What are you a Froshin? What's that? Like, what are you a Froshin now? I think because it was your really That good. was just like my nickname yeah. in high school yeah. on the track. And um, what's well, funny, the girls don't know what to call me. Mm-hmm. I told them to call me Rob, and I think they were initially too intimidated. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard through the grapevine they don't know what to what call, to call me. you. So and they, don't, coach or? they don't say anything. We get along great. And we get along great. We have a great relationship. It's awesome. But I don't think they, like, are comfortable calling me Coach or Rob. And they don't know the Frosh story. But the boys still call me Frosh. And the parents call me Frosh, which is Okay, that's really strange. Yeah. Like, my Christmas cards were Frosh. Yes. See, I feel like there's a, like, when I coached, like, they would call me Coach Craig, which I was okay with, I feel like. But then... When they would ever drop like Mr. Siegel, I'd have to like <laughs> turn. Mr. Yeah, I'd have to like turn and be like, "Where's my father?" Because to me, like that was like what I would call, what people would call my dad. Yeah, and, like I wasn't there yet, you know. Um, but yeah, maybe Coach Rob, Frosh, Frosh, Coach Frosh. <laughs> so, um, so for those of you that uh, don't know these two, um, Rob is a graduate of Red Bank Catholic, uh, before moving on to compete at Columbia University. Uh, Travis spent his, you know, prep days up the road here at Old Bridge High School, um, 
before starring at Temple University in Philadelphia. Um, so both have a long history of running professionally. You know, Rob at 29, Travis at 33. Damn, man. Yeah. It's going quick. I'm getting up there. I know. The mustache doesn't doesn't lie no. either. <laughs> <laughs> um, each are members of the Sub 4 Minute Club uh, with Rob at the PR of 354 and Trav running 357 respect, uh, respectively. Um, Rob, I would describe as more of a middle distance guy, Trav being the steeple expert. Yeah. So just to give the brief rundown to the people um, as to who you guys are and um, yeah, let's get into it. So I always kind of like to start these conversations um, at like your origin stories, you know, in terms of where you first found the sport, um, you know, when you first fell in love with the sport. Um, I think that's really important for people to, to hear because running, you know, for the majority of us, it's a, it's a lifelong, you know, I would say maybe love hate relationship, you know? Um, but Trav, why don't we start with you? Yeah. So, uh, I probably started running in, I want to say the fourth grade. Uh, my brother is two years older than me. Um, and he was running for the middle school cross country team. Um, my dad was running with some like guys in the neighborhood, like stay in shape and he would jump in like the local five K's five miles. So I would kind of jump in and run with them from time to time. And then more, more or less just run races. I think the Matasquan Turkey trot was like the race I ran like every year in like those first formative years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I think just as like, I played a lot, of, a lot of sports, but I just really felt like I took to running. Like, mm. um, even just had a lot of cousins like running around the yard playing like manhunt and stuff. I just felt like that was my strong suit. It was just like out running, getting people, away from like, people, away yeah, from yeah, people. yeah, yeah. And more <laughs> from like a stamina perspective too. Yeah. Um, and I was I was a tiny guy. Uh, for those that don't know, I had just hit like five foot nothing freshman year of high yeah. school, so I was tiny. Um, yeah, but, I love the pictures, the old school pictures yeah. of you with your singlet, like literally hanging off of oh, your yeah. shoulders. Did not fit it's like, yeah. And it's probably a small too. It's yeah. not like you were like a freshman stuck with like an XL. No, I was tiny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was tiny. So yeah, so I kind of just took to it. I think, uh, it suited me well. Um, both, well, like, cause I feel like I enjoyed the c competition of running. Mm -hmm. And then from a sport perspective, you know, I think just having control over my own destiny was something mm -hmm. that, um, I really took to and I found uh, found that just kind of worked for me just being able to take control and try to out hurt people yeah Rob how about you I think formally I came to it a bit later than Travis did mm -hmm. um, I ran in middle school but it was nothing I really thought about I just mm -hmm. like I did it on Saturdays a couple weekends in the fall mm -hmm. but I played football and baseball and those were like my main my main interests and then I went to Red Bank Catholic thinking I was going to play football. That was like the reason I went there. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think I even made it to a football practice. Yeah. Because my dad, you know, he kind of gently told me I was pretty thin. Sure. Right, right. And like wasn't really going <laughs> to play, play uh, much. said, I'm sure, eloquently worded. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I knew I was fast. Same as Trav, like manhunt and like schoolyard games like i was yeah, good yeah. at them because i was fast what yes. position were you gonna play what was the i mean i like i was a good wide receiver i was gonna yeah, say okay, i guess yeah, he was so a yeah. wide receiver just because yeah. i would if i could beat someone in 10 yards yeah. and yeah. You, anyone could remotely throw yeah right. i'd be okay right. but it's a different game in high school yes um but i i thought running was kind of lame mm -hmm. and i didn't get it and i so rem like vividly remember going to homedale park first practice and seeing people in like 
running shorts mm-hmm. for the first time ever and like thinking it was so weird. Mm-hmm. And then so I went on this run and we just did like a course loop, like a 5K loop. And um, it was easy for mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. I loved it. And I remember going home and being like, mom, I need running shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like. <laughs> Give me those two and a half inch <laughs> yeah. leg shorts. Let's go. We're in it. So it was delayed. Like, you know, I was 13 or 14 before I actually thought about running, but it was pretty instantaneous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah. was within a 20 minute span. My life changed. Yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, you guys both had a little bit of different paths, you know, in, in high school, um, you know, coming out of Oldbridge, coming out of RBC, a couple of years apart. Um, but when did you kind of get that first taste for like success? You know, I feel like that's part of what, I don't know. I mean, for myself, like once you started tasting that and it was like, it started becoming your identity, right? Like running became your identity. Like, Oh, I'm the running, I'm the runner kid in school or whatever like that. Um, you know, how did that kind of work for you, Trav? Uh, like when was that breakthrough? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I really like so it was like instantaneous for Rob mm-hmm. and it was more of like a slow burn for me. Yeah. Like I loved competing, but I did a lot of other sports still um, mm-hmm. in those early years and I really didn't enjoy the training aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, freshman year, I tasted some success, but I still don't think was like sold on it. Um, and then junior year of high school, I think spring season, I had like a big drop from in a, in a 32, I think it went from like 10 flat to like 938 in like the last race of the season. And I think mm-hmm. that, kind of started to like that that just like i don't know something about that race was like okay i can do do big things next year if i Mm. really commit to it um so i think that was that first taste that kind of lit the fire under my ass and led me to have a great senior year which kind of you know took me to college and then Mm -hmm. led me down the path that it led me down yeah so if i remember correctly were you planning to run in college yet or was it just kind of one of the yeah i I was not planning to run in college i had like no idea that that was really like even a thing yeah um i was the first person in my family to go to college Mm -hmm. Uh, my parents my my dad's like a super handy guy Mm -hmm. um and i i enjoyed that stuff too i was like i I liked working with my hands um so i thought that was the path i was going to take yeah yeah and it's crazy to think that like you know, you at 16 or 17, like, didn't know that that was an option. And yeah, here you are, you know, however many years later, like, as accomplished. Um, I mean, I still just, I, I, I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but, like, the string of, like, USA champ, like, being in the final at USA is for 11, 11 years in a row, right? What was it? What was Wasn't, it? I've made, I think I made, like, 11 or 12 USAs in a row. In a row, But I yeah. think it's, uh, it's it was probably, like, six finals or something. Okay. In a row, yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah. Um, Rob, how about yourself? I mean, you had, a, a, you know, success early on, you yeah. know, in high school. And, I did. Um, I'm thinking of two types of success. Mm-hmm. Like we were pretty good my freshman year in cross country. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we, I think we made, we made meet of champs out of the group meet on this like really rainy, muddy day at mm-hmm. Holmdel Park. And, um, I didn't know anything about it, and yeah. like, but it seemed like it was a huge deal, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really cool and interesting, and the energy that we all had that day mm-hmm. amongst like this pouring rain and mud mm. was really cool and special, but that like it didn't really do it for me yet because I didn't plan to run indoors, mm. just because I didn't know that that was like the the normal step, mm-hmm. and when I was asked what I was going to do by our assistant coach. I said nothing. Right. <laughs> I was like, just the exact nice. Yeah, I was like, I don't know, nothing. Just gonna, just like, 
go to school, I guess. Right. And that was not allowed. And then so I ran indoors and then, you know, you know me, you know, you both know me well as a runner. Like track does it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. cross country roads are fun, but it's not what I live for. Mm-hmm. And so I had a really good indoor season and I ran really fast, you know, relatively. And I was second mm-hmm. at the national meet for the, in the freshman mile. Oh, damn. And that's when I was like, okay, I could do something with this. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think I was properly obsessed. But mm-hmm. that was like the moment where it kind of, if you see your name on a list yeah. at yeah, some yeah, point, yeah. right? Yeah. Everyone has that moment where so you, you see your name yeah. and you're like, okay. I'm, I'm, so you had a little taste from both sides in that short window, like the yeah. team aspect of it which obviously we don't get as much anymore, and yeah. the individual aspect. Yeah, mm-hmm. from November yeah. to February, yeah. it was like just two back-to-back yeah. hits, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that that's, you know, like like you said, like you see your name on a list, or, you know, I even go back, you know, a couple more years uh, than you guys, but it's like, you know, you used to see your names in the paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and that was, was like a big thing. Yeah, you know, like, like that your that first like, interview. Yeah. At the bubble or something. So, no, I'm, I'm more on Craig's side in terms of age. It was paper. Like no, 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 that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Someone comes up to you at a meet and they're yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, they yeah. know who you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they know yeah. who you are. It makes you feel like special yeah. at, that, you know, at that stage of your life, yeah. which is you're at a very formidable yeah. age. Yeah. You know? um, but yeah, I mean, don't want to don't wanna, uh, spend too much time on you know, high school stuff and things like that, but it's just, uh, it's always interesting just to kind of get people's stories as to when they you know, first tasted that success and kind of fell in love with the sport. Um, you know, kind of, going along to you know the collegiate level um i mean you guys both had very successful collegiate careers um rob you broke four in college Mm -hmm. yeah trav you were after college right um i was we were when we had liam and marco on your sub four performance got brought up and (laughs) uh it was at ocean breeze right yeah um and i remember being there and i remember seeing you afterwards and you had no, you were seeing stars. <laughs> yeah. I, was, uh, I was there, too. Yeah, you were there. Tra- <laughs> you were yeah. puking. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What else is new? Yeah, yeah. well, you puked <laughs> after every race. So. Um, but I guess that that's one one thing, and we talked with Marco and Liam as well, but, like, the four-minute mile, right? Like, you guys are both members of that, that club. Um, it's gotten more inclusive, you know, over the last yeah. bunch of years, and we can kind of talk mm-hmm. about that. It'd be really intriguing to get your guys' perspective on on why everything's getting so fast. Um, but at the same time, like it's still a number that the common person recognizes, yeah. right? Like they know, Hey, if you ran three, whatever, like, Oh my God, like that's, that's something serious. Um, so Trav, what was your first time? Like, I, I, I remember watching it on, <laughs> I remember streaming it. Um, but let's kind of walk through that race at BU, uh, when you first dipped under. Yeah, coming up on 10 years ago. 10 years, Ten dude. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. i got to dig back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Blow the cobwebs off and stuff, you yeah. know? Yeah, I think as a more distance-oriented guy, I always thought I had to be, like, super even with my splits to potentially break that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that race, like, I just knew it was, it was a very good field. Um, and I was like, you know what? If I just go out and race this race, like, it should happen. Mm-hmm. If you know, if I can race well. Mm. Um, and I think I ended up going like 202, like 156 to run like 358. Mm. Um, but I, I got under enough. I was like 358.6. So like 
I didn't look at the clock the whole race except for that last like 40 meters. And when I peeked over, I knew I had it. Yeah, so I yeah, kind of yeah. like yeah, give a little fist pump, a little and, fist bump, and was, yeah. was pretty fired up. And that was something that I just didn't think was possible for me from like a mile perspective. I'm, mm. I'm, I would not consider myself a miler. Mm. I think I've trained like a miler for a lot of my career <laughs> and with a lot of milers, <laughs> yeah. but my raw speed is pretty poor. Mm. Um, so to like to do that like in high school, you know, I went to a, a very good high school. We mm. had we had, you know, when I was there, we won. I don't know, maybe like six or so groups championships on mm -hmm. cross country and the track. Um, I, I couldn't break two minutes. Mm -hmm. So then to go and go go in and college, run four minutes flat, and then go on and then eventually run three fifty seven. I just didn't think that was like a, an option for me. Or mm -hmm. That was a possibility for me. So yeah, it was like a, a huge moment, and you know, I was probably on cloud nine for a couple weeks yeah. after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know we 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 joked about how. Uh, you're, you like never celebrate races yes. and then this one like you know you gave a little bit of a celebration and I think well you finished sixth I finished the sixth race, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh my god no I remember that, that was a, over you know like you said like a decade ago it yeah. was uh, unbelievable yeah um Rob how about yourself what do you what do you remember from your first sub four if you remember anything, because you, you were dazed. <laughs> I remember a lot. I, I will say this. I, that was junior year. Mm -hmm. Sophomore year, the last race of indoors, I ran four flat point zero six or something. Mm. So, like, that was the year-long project, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, to get back and, and go under. Um, all I remember is front running. We had a pacer. It was Mitch Goose. Uh, I own mm. a like 5k 10k guy yeah. mm -hmm. who I, like we what, we just like texted like the day before and we're like can you run 1200 meters in 301 and it's funny for people that don't know I feel like that's how a lot of that stuff happens though, it is right it's like all just it like, kind of just falls in line yeah. I do remember you being out there all alone yeah I do have that memory a little bit well so it was Mitch myself and this kid from Cornell oh, and okay. we just broke away instantly mm -hmm. and I remember Nick McDonough the NYU coach standing on the front of the first turn and he was just screaming splits at me i don't i don't know this guy i've never worked with him before he's yeah. no skin in the game and he was just like 29.6 29.5 you know just hitting him and hitting him and i knew we were under and then mitch stepped off um and i put a few laps in and then the cornell kid just flew right by yeah, me yeah. <laughs> like with 150 to go and like you said i just remember seeing stars yeah and I did celebrate after that one too. I got second. Okay. Yeah. Celebrated. I do, but I do remember you going for it though. Yeah. You went for it, and he then chased you. Yes. At one point, you opened up on him because you were just going yeah. for it. Yeah. 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 I yeah. knew it was going to happen. Had to send it. Yeah. <laughs> you do know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so we'll get a little bit into into this year. You know, 2024 uh, being Olympic year. Um, you know, but. In between college and um, and running prof and and at the point of running professionally, you guys kind of crossed paths with NJNY, right? It's kind of yep. the first time that you guys kind of mm -hmm. intersected. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so, what was that experience like from like a team perspective and being able to train under you know the great uh, gags? Yeah, it, it was good. You know, I think like towards the end, like things got a little crazy with the mm -hmm. dissolve of of NJNY, but mm -hmm. I feel like from me and Rob's perspective, we that we started, we, I mean, obviously we knew each other, mm -hmm. mutual friends with you, Rob, mm -hmm. it just like so many connections, mm -hmm. um, as is like New Jersey running or running in general. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like we probably had some of our best running training, like pr primarily together. Mm -hmm. yeah. So 
Um, I think when we both look back, maybe in like 2021, after like NJ and we kind of both kind of found our, our way with different coaches, is like, we, you know, I look back, it's like, we probably should have just stayed together. Because yeah. <laughs> we worked really well together in, in, um, in training for, for that stretch of time. Yeah. Yeah. We did a lot. We did pretty much everything together. Yeah. Which is funny because I'm not really a long distance guy and you're not a mid distance guy. Right, right, but right, somehow right. we somehow I think emotionally training partners find themselves yeah. mm. more than physically at mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. I think there were people that we both could have trained with at NJ and like Don or yeah. and I could have trained mm -hmm. with Johnny or yeah. whoever, Chris maybe. Yeah. But like I think people find a training partner as something more than just like someone to click off reps. Sure. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's just more deep. Um, so we did do a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and I think we also, I mean, candidly, I think we bond over some of the frustration. Yeah. That we fell into in the last I don't know, eighteen months, yeah. twelve months of the yeah. of the whole thing, mm -hmm. and that was tough. Yeah. Like COVID kind of hit, yeah. and everyone was hanging on by a thread. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we didn't know what the future held in terms of like nothing. the team, the contract, the coaches, stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. it was it was tough, and yeah, we got even closer at that point because then mm -hmm. like we were just meeting up like Red Bank track or wherever we were the meeting up and training the Red, the yeah. Res during mm -hmm. during COVID time. So yeah, um, yeah, so. yeah. I mean that's <clears throat> so training and racing through COVID. Like what what was that experience like? I feel like there was a we were taught we were. Um, you know, recording with, with Marco and Liam, there was a, we were talking a little bit about like having like a large training block without any racing. Yeah. And that potentially contributing to why it's also getting so much faster right now, you know, or a little bit of that. Um, you know, how do you guys feel from that perspective in terms of... I feel like how COVID training went for us or, yeah, or for the imp impact it has. Well, both, yeah. Uh, it sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it went from from like the probably my highest high to like some of my lowest lows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it went from like this. We ran so well indoors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We ran so well, like yeah. Rob, like, like 2020. Yeah. 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 February of 2020. Yeah. We were really hot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were really hot. And like, I just felt like we kind of had nailed that progression of just like stepping on the gas a little more as mm -hmm. the years approached the 2020 Olympic trials. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, I both ran great towards the end of indoors and then you know, hopefully, hopefully you just carry that for a little bit, a little bit yeah. longer and you're at the trials and boom, like, you know, COVID shut everything down and then also everything dissolved with our club too. So then mm -hmm. we just found ourselves, everyone, you know, some people retired, some people departed. Um, and then, you know, you're training by yourself. You have, you don't know. And then, um, yeah, it was just really tough to kind of keep that going for like a, that emotion of mm -hmm. investment and that long-term investment in an Olympic cycle, mm -hmm. pushing it back another year. So that was really tough. Um, I think I don't know how much of an impact that has on like what we're seeing in mm -hmm. the sport, especially if we're so far removed now. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a little training block, you know, that many years ago is I don't think is really affecting the sport so much. I think maybe some people might have benefited from it mm -hmm. um, as a little bit of a reset, but uh, I think it, it hurt probably more people than it mm -hmm. helped. If you think, uh, you know, I was coaching at Oldbridge at the time mm -hmm. and think about all those younger kids that aren't quite hooked. Like, right, if you didn't have that indoor mile or the end mm -hmm. of November, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then you had to wait, you had to train on your own by yourself for a year, you probably would have hated the sport. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But I do think there's a small portion of people that really did benefit. Yeah. And I think it's the college kids that were hooked. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the college yeah, kids yeah. that were hooked and they're already committed. Because then yeah, gross. your sophomore to junior of college yeah. that's like all into running have now all of a sudden they have nothing to do. Right. But they have everything at their disposal. Yeah. Meanwhile, pros like we were getting kicked off tracks. That's right. true. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 we yeah. couldn't work out on a yeah. track. And yeah. You know, and then we find out like uh, the college kids have like an indoor 300 meter track and they're just yeah. crushing thresholds yeah. and, right, right. you know, they feel good all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. I didn't really, yeah, I didn't so I agree. I don't think it does affect the sport now, but it, I don't think it's a coincidence that so mm-hmm. many of the younger kids were yeah. so good the season or two after. Yeah. yeah. They went to altitude and just yeah. didn't do school for sure. whatever. Yeah. Nine months. Yeah, and it had to be such a, like, travel, like you were saying, like, you guys were hot in the beginning of 2020, and then you're anticipating, oh, the trials are this year, yeah. and then you're just tacking on another year, and unfortunately, I feel like our sport, it, it's it's driven by the Olympic cycle, for, sure. for the most part, you know, and it's, most contracts expire on an Olympic cycle, so it's, you know, leaving athletes and clubs in limbo, um, it's like, hey, does a does a brand want to pick someone up for that extra year or not, or things like that, yeah. when they had to push it back to 2021, and then they still called it Tokyo 2020, which I was found yeah, interesting. Yeah, those shirts were already printed. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Although the marketing dollars were already put towards it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, as we're you know kind of sitting here in in a gloomy um, January, uh, snowy night here. Um, I definitely want to talk about this year and where both of you guys are at because I think it's both both exciting times for each of you. Um, you know, for those that don't know, Rob has the eligibility to compete for Puerto Rico uh, mm-hmm. in the Olympics. Um, but let's kind of talk about how the year is shaping up for you guys or like how you guys feel going into the 2024 year from competition perspective. I mean, Trav, you had a home run of a, a 5k towards the end of uh you know 2023 that kind of springboards you into into this year yeah yeah um i think i've gone to through two little like quote-unquote like retirements mm-hmm. <laughs> after 2021 people keep asking me they're like what does he do what, you know, is he is he still racing i'm like <laughs> uh, he's gonna race till the wheels fall <laughs> off man like i just like you've always told me like if you keep pring yeah you're gonna keep racing yeah you know? So, so, so yeah, wait till you get to 40, dude. Maybe yeah. we'll see. But un- unfortunately that, so I was like, I was trying to keep a streak alive, which I PR'd in like a main event, like every year since I started the sport. Mm-hmm. And I only ran one race on the track and I missed it by a second. So yeah, I ran 1330 instead of 1329. So right. I was hoping to get it. But, um, but yeah, crazy stat. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. I don't think people will really grasp how unbelievable that is. Right. Yeah. From a consistency perspective. Yeah. It's it's insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, after, you know, last year I kind of, uh, I had planned to run an indoors, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then kind of shutting it down and I got married in June, so just wanted to enjoy that and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and soak that up and not worry about your USA championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of really didn't run. I stayed like enough in shape, you know, maybe running like 20, 30 miles here and there and, and mm-hmm. messing around, but was in very good shape. And then uh, after my wedding, I kind of got back on the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, seen a lot of the old NJNY guys too, and people like kind of, you know, saying I should keep going. Mm. So yeah, I kind of got back on it and uh, I've been writing a lot of, I've been writing all my own training, kind of training on my own. Uh-huh. I think, um, you know, I'm working full time. Um, I'm up in Bayonne, so it's kind of mm. isolated from a lot of other people that I could be meeting up with. Mm. Um, so I just kind of been doing my own thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I met met up with Rob recently, but uh, most of it's been on my own. And uh, 
yeah, I've been feeling pretty good, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to race a couple indoor races, take a stab at trying to break 1320, which is a, a big lifetime goal of mine, and mm -hmm. uh, and then and then transition back to the steeple for, for one more trials. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've been a fixture in the steeple for, you know, like we were saying, over the last decade, you know, in, in all those USA championships and things like that, so... Yeah. It would be nice to, to get you back in there one one more time. One more time. <laughs> Maybe next year, though, too. Who knows? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not committal. Non-committal. Non -committal. Um, I, go, I go back and forth. It's like sometimes it's like, why the hell am I still doing this? Yeah. Other times I'm really enjoying yeah, yeah, yeah. it. And uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, it, how many years down the road will I look back? And it's like if I'm – like I said, if I can still can run well, can still PR, it's mm -hmm. like – you know, kind of hold on to it for as long as I can because, sure, yeah, you yeah. know, eventually I'm not going to be able to do it and, right. you know, and I think uh, don't want to take that for granted. Right. No, no, definitely. Rob, how about you? How's, how's uh, the prospects of 2024 looking? They're good. You know, better than the prospects of 23. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that in 22 for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny, like, we're talking about this now and you have us here and I think something we would regret maybe not talking about is that when I so I stepped away yeah. from the sport mm -hmm. in 2021 mm -hmm. and I didn't run for probably I don't know five months yeah. six mm -hmm. months and I remember talking with Travis one day and he was he said something like you know if like you, if you don't run for like six months you, you might be able to come back but like after that like it's probably gone mm -hmm. and like I know where I was when he said that I remember I was driving through the Lincoln Tunnel <laughs> right right and um and so, okay, and then I came back and would yeah. get there. And now, you know, Trav last year yep. or whatever it was, his time doesn't time doesn't seem to exist much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever it was and he yeah. stopped and I was hounding him and I was on his ass all the time. I was like, what are you doing? What are you training? Do you want to do with this workout? Do you want to come run? And he's, you know, rightfully focused on his wedding <laughs> and just like not running and maybe doing things that are yeah. not productive for being fit. <laughs> I thought about it right when I finished talking. I was like, we both pulled each other out of retirement. Yeah, yeah we, both, we both have definitely pulled each other out of yeah. at least one retirement, Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Last spring, is the reason I ran 30 miles a week is because Rob convinced me to pace him in a 5K. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, further back to my point of, like, emotional training partners, mm -hmm. I think there are plenty of people who probably – could have called me up that I wouldn't have really mm -hmm. taken, you know, the yeah. word so seriously. So anyways, 2024, it's good. Um, I'm going to open up indoors, mm -hmm. which I'm going to hit pretty hard. The point system, as confusing as it is, gets mm -hmm. even more confusing indoors. Mm -hmm. For some reason, they do, they have premium points mm -hmm. just for simply having a track under a roof. Um, so anyone who's trying to work the point system needs to take advantage of that so um so when you say under a roof like just the, the fact that it's inside it, just yeah. the fact that it's an indoor track there mm -hmm. is a different list of points mm -hmm. attributed to the time so if you run a four minute mile mm -hmm. indoors it's like 1100 points mm -hmm. if you run a four minute mile outdoors it's like 1066 mm -hmm. makes no sense yeah it should be the opposite yeah. way they're, they're saying they're essentially suggesting that indoors is tougher to run that time, but sure. realistically, but we with all the know tech it's now, not. It's, it's not. Yeah. Right. So. Well, and how crazy Boston's tra indoor track yeah. is, it's yeah. probably easier to you know yeah. run yeah. a faster time inside. Yeah. 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 Which we can get into the point system at some point if you guys really want to. I don't know if there's up. enough time and or <laughs> if it's even worth touching. I don't even understand. I I and Rob like uh, I hate to interrupt, but like we we were talking before even too. It's just like like 
if we want to build the sport, like you got to simplify it yeah. mm-hmm. in terms of like just being able to understand it. Cause like, I mean, I'm a, a I consider myself a big fan of the sport. I have no idea what's going on and yeah. how people qualify for things because yeah. it's just it's just such a mess. It's become an obscure sport. Yeah. We're making it obscure. Yeah. Right. 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 Like this yeah. is no longer just like, do you run faster than this person? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. have you like slithered your way through the system <laughs> like efficiently enough? Yeah. 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 Right. And like, yeah. yeah, it's becoming like so inaccessible mm-hmm. for people to understand like yourself you're a mm. great runner and you like running and you have no idea what it takes like yeah. if i ask you right now mm-hmm. how how will we determine our third place olympic trials marathoner in the next mm. three weeks like how would you tell me i don't know i am going to the trials to watch i don't, <laughs> and don't know and you're not going to know and who makes the team yeah, yeah i feel like that's they had to run disaster. under 208 so two guys have run under 208 so far yes and that unlocked two spots, is my understanding. Correct. Does someone else need to run under 208? And to then I think I third? saw. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. Uh, then I think. This is just a, a prime example of how confusing the system <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. We'll be here. But all then right. I think <laughs> someone else. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now on his name. Good Brooks Marathoner. He won CIM. CJ Albertson. CJ Albertson. He went yeah. down to Mexico two weeks. Yes. Two, like a week later yes. and ran yeah. like maybe like. What would be like he ran the same time he did but it was yeah. like a it, it gave him almost like a like a b standard so mm-hmm. if he is the third place guy he goes yeah. mm-hmm. it, he, it's something where he controls right? his own destiny on it yeah again look, yeah i'm very i, I love the sport you're now. in the sport yeah. as a professional and it's hard no to, yeah, yeah yeah no idea um yeah we could talk a little bit more about that after but but rob we we're talking about 2024 and i mean maybe even too from from are you are you shooting for worlds indoors in addition yeah. to, yes. to the olympics okay yes. all right so um, you got to qualify for that. So how does that work? So you have to run <laughs> 353.5 okay. um, or be top 30 on the points list. Right. So yeah, depending on how you want to swing that, Yeah. Um, which is why I'm going to hit indoors as hard as I can okay. and rack up however many points I can in this five-point average mm. to get, I think, I don't think everyone's going to run, frankly. I think if you're under 40 yeah. or like 35, you'll probably get in on some scratches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think right now I'm 42 mm-hmm. without really having run an indoor race yet. So I think the, you know, I think there's a promising chance. It's better than my outdoor world's chance and that worked out fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's also like, it becomes stressful. Like I remember in 2021 when like the point system standard you were chasing in, it was like a later chase, right? Cause there was no indoors because mm-hmm. of COVID. Um, and you kind of just just missed that, right? right. Like you weren't yeah. far off. So it's like indoors is just the way to go to rack up points for you. Yeah, you have to hit it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to hit indoors hard. Um, and then if that all goes well, that early part of outdoors can really just be a focused training period, mm-hmm. right? And if I'm comfortable on the list or if I get a standard, probably won't open up for quite some time mm-hmm. and just focus on yeah. one final push to, to Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in, in late summer. So how does qualifying for the Olympics work from that perspective? Mm-hmm. You know, so the, they expand the list from 30 to 48 okay. for the 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's top 48, um, standards have the priority. Mm-hmm. So if 30 people have the standard, mm-hmm they'll take the next 18 people on the list mm-hmm. of points. 
Um, the standard is 350.8 in the mile and 333 high or something in the 15. <laughs> so fast. It's so fast. <laughs> but the, the thing is, I, I suspect that they made this system to prioritize points because they wanted to restructure the sport for yeah. some, you know, whatever. So they made these standards so fast, thinking that, okay, if we bring it just slightly out of reach, we'll promote people racing head to head, right? Mm -hmm. Is Rob better than Travis? Is Travis better than Craig? Mm -hmm. And try to even the playing field. But like, they're just dangling a carrot that's slightly out of reach, but like not really. Yeah. And now mm -hmm. everyone's just hitting the standards. Mm -hmm. So now the people who are trying to do it the points way essentially become squeezed out mm -hmm. by the end. Yeah. Because, you know, you'll look, the, the list gets published on Wednesdays and mm -hmm. it's like five people have the standard and then all of a sudden 12 and 24 and then 32 yeah. and then all of a sudden you start doing the math and you are trying to beat like four people <laughs> around the world on a points, on a points list that yeah. is like essentially arbitrary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, would you think, and again, we're not trying to like solve the, yeah, the sport of track and field but i even just think for like the common person like if you, if you i mean there needs to be representation like globally for you know obviously for the olympics but wouldn't it just make sense if it's like hey here's the top 35 fastest people those are the ones that get in you know what i mean but then does everything just become not about competing against one another it becomes about time trialing I think we're already at time yeah. traveling. Yeah. I, I think the initial thought of the point system was good. Like, I think, from what I remember, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I, I believe they were going to use the point systems so that, you know, say you went to a Diamond League or a bigger race, that would help you get into the races. I thought that was the initial point. Because essentially, like, all right, like a lot of the big races is, is about having a good agent that can get you in a good race and, and, and run fast. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought they were supposed to utilize the points in, in that a bit, but... To get you into races? To get you like, into races. Yeah, you know, it's that like, would make sense. Um, it would work. But, you know, it, it's just still about kind of like who you know and getting into what races. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Um, so speaking of racing, I, def I definitely wanted to... I mean, we're sitting in a shoe store, you know. Um, so I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up shoe tech. Mm -hmm. And I feel like... You know, you guys were competing at the highest level in our sport, and at the time of where you were in the middle of that transition, you know, from if you remember what your spikes were like in high school, college, and early on, you know, professional careers versus now, yeah. and what they are made up of, and just shoe tech in general has advanced so quickly. I, th I think over the last, you know, five years, I think it's advanced 15. Um, and Trav, I think you and I have talked a little bit about it, and you know, I think f the feedback that I got from you is is more about the recovery component versus the potential performance component of it. But you know, let's talk a little bit about shoe tech and what you guys kind of think about it, and you know, um, you want to open up this one? <laughs> you want me to start? <laughs> There's no denying shoes help. I don't know. No one's going to tell you. It's three seconds a mile or not. Yeah. I do think the recovery is huge. Um, I think it's huge on the roads. Yeah. Like the, the girl at Valencia just ran 28.42. Yeah. Yeah. The girl 
a month ago just ran 14.12. Yeah. So clearly the foam works on the roads. 5K PRs have gone insane. Yeah. So like, yeah, it works for sure. Mm -hmm. There's no question. Mm -hmm. I do think you can train way harder. Yeah. Like I, I know for a fact you don't get as beat up after a hard session as yeah. you used to. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, if you are truly trying to get better by less than 1%, mm -hmm. if you make a 1% improvement over like a 355 mile, yeah. you just ran 351 or something, right? So 352. So if you're just trying to make the smallest- yeah, You're the Ivy guy, dude. You're the <laughs> Ivy League guy. Bro. This is my event. <laughs> <laughs> but if you just are trying to make the smallest adjustment possible and you can recover just that much better and work mm -hmm. that much harder, like, yeah, it's gonna stack up. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's, it helps a lot. I think there's also multiple components to like the big jump in performance across like, and the depth as well. Mm -hmm. I think the shoes are, it's undeniable. I remember when we would do like 10 by K or something like that, you know, my legs would be trash for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. um, now I do 10 by K and I'm recovered by the time I, I leave the workout. Like yeah. My legs mm -hmm. are not beat up. You know, maybe you're, you saw that, the body fatigue. Um, and the spikes, the spikes are really nice. Um, mm -hmm. They're really nice um, and, and the track's really nice. I don't think the spikes are necessarily as, as important as the training super shoes or mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call them. Uh, but I think when these were introduced, you saw, you saw them kind of influence on the road immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously we kind of hit the pandemic like you know, not too long after like it became available to like the gen general public. Mm -hmm. And then, I think you saw a complete shift in the sport. I think, you know, Strava's became so big, especially past COVID, because it was held people accountable. People were able to see what everyone was doing. When I was first, and then you have like wear, the wearable tech, whether mm -hmm. it be your GPS watch, heart rate monitors, lactate testing, you know, so you had all this become a little bit more towards the forefront of the sport. Um, whereas like, even when I first came pro, I was just like, you know, the, the flat options, like, mm -hmm. you know, weren't much. They were just rock solid at the time. Yeah, That's what it, I was. Mean, it was always a, lighter firmer yep. more minimal kind of approach to it and then now it's like the pendulum swung yeah. towards the complete opposite side of the spectrum with that stuff yeah and then i i think uh you know i was probably wearing like a timex then and you didn't mm -hmm. know what anyone else was doing <laughs> like you didn't know what Bar like barrowman track club um you know especially at the time was like you know like they came out and they broke in like an american record like at any one time mm -hmm. um you had no idea what they were doing you had mm -hmm. no idea what anyone else was really doing in training you kind of just knew what you were doing now it's like you can go on and find out what any pro group is doing mm -hmm. um it's all kind of shared shared literature shared tech everyone knows what they're doing um and then i think it's like a little bit of the um a little bit of the effect of just the belief of that mm -hmm. like it's it's good and then you go you go into these races and you can chase a fast race any weekend of the year now. Mm -hmm. Whereas that wasn't necessarily the case. Like mm -hmm. for me in college, you, you went to like one last chance meet to maybe try to qualify for the NCAA meet. Mm -hmm. um, and then even early on as a pro, you hopped around a couple good meets, but having like American record type caliber races or collegiate record type caliber races almost on a week, yeah. weekly basis didn't exist. Yeah. So you have training, you have the race structure, uh, you have all the tech. Um, I think that just is like the perfect storm to see the big jump in the sport. Yeah. Also, um, the shoes, they have transformed training and how people train. Yeah. I don't think it's such a coincidence that double threshold is now hot mm -hmm. because you can do these double sessions. Yeah. It's basically, you, 
you can now just put lungs on shoes mm -hmm. and forget <laughs> about your legs, yeah. mm -hmm. right? And so... Yeah, the muscular damage is like a non-issue anymore. So yeah. you can work your, like a swimmer works their lungs all the time with no impact, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. They do these crazy training sessions. Yeah. It's like that's where running is going, yeah. right? You can just leave your legs at home, run 10 by K, yeah. breathe harder than you used to because you can now run faster, yeah. recover better. The problem is, the shoes are the first thing that people talk about mm -hmm. when this comes up, right? Times mm -hmm. are faster. Why? Okay, shoes. Shoes have stolen the spotlight for maybe other things going on. Yeah. And they will continue to mutter, muddle the, the waters, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We don't know yeah. really what everyone's doing behind training. Yeah. Now it's all of a sudden, okay, the shoes are here and everyone thinks the shoes are great. Mm. Is it ignorant to think that that's really the only thing that's happening in our sport? Mm. Yeah, I, I think yeah, maybe I mean, doping and 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 almost like legally doping through pharmaceuticals is huge in our sport. Yes, but would you? But I think you you almost see it at every level now, though. High school and college improvement. So yeah, it's you, like, yeah. but like yes, you do. But is the top end not exponential? Yeah, compared to the high schoolers, like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. Yeah. Okay. I just think shoes will take the the fall. Sure. Nine yeah. to ten times out of ten, yeah. people say, "Oh, the shoes are mm -hmm. so revolutionary," and mm -hmm. they are, yeah. of course. There's no doubt. Yeah. But I think they allow people to hide a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's interesting because like our sport, and I, I feel like I've said this on a previous episode that we did. It was like like running's never really had to deal with that quick of a technological advancement where other sports like have clear lines right yeah. it's like cycling right like i mean they're always like it's a mechanical thing that they're yeah. all sitting on mm -hmm. you know so there's always these specs and um you know that have to be met and um you know the the tinkering of that like is to be expected um you know same thing with swimming, you know, right, with the wetsuits and all that sort of stuff. And um, But running, it's like we've really never experienced that, you know, in a rapid transition as it has been. You know, obviously, yeah, yeah like we weren't running in like, you know, leather spikes, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, prior to this. But um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a fun topic because like, you know, and we see it now even just in like the consumer walking through the door like they're looking for stuff that's you know carbon plated daily trainers yeah. and it's like that's cool like let's talk about it yeah. but like let's like get into running first yeah. you know and like yeah. the process of it and stuff and um but yeah i think i think it overall it is good for the sport yeah. and it, it it pushes more money through the sport i mean mm -hmm. even just sitting in a shoe store it's sure. like yeah yeah we never even, you know, you never used to even carry $120 it's flats. It's and now, crazy, you know? And now you're carrying yeah. $250, $300 flat racing yeah. shoes. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's funneling through. But I, you know, thinking more about Rob says, it definitely does, like, at the high end of the sport, it, the shoes and the performance f from the shoes, it's really, it's covering up a lot of doping. I, I think it could. Yeah. I think it could. By mm -hmm. no means am yeah. I saying. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm not saying a hard fact. Yeah. I'm just mm -hmm. saying. Yeah, people now. They do the double T. They do the yeah. heart rate. They do the mm -hmm. lactic. They do the shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's great. 
is it a curtain to some extent? I think I think it's in a small extent, but I I I, I still believe though on like most like most other levels, you see that you you have improvements, and that's undeniable. I no, mean, of course. In, in yeah, my, I mean the high school depth yeah. is like I mean it used to be. I yeah. mean, I remember. Uh, obviously, Webb wasn't the first one to go under four, but yeah. like Webb was, I think I think I was a year behind him in school, right? So I was a junior yeah. when he was a senior, and Webb broke, you know, four, and um, it was huge, right? I mean, that was massive. I think I don't even remember me. He might have been the fourth high school boy to do it. I don't even remember off the top yeah. of my head, but um, and now it's like there's five every year six you know so it's becoming more routine even just the depth at the, yeah. at the mm-hmm. more elementary yeah. levels and i think they're just training more like pros sure. compared to when yeah, we yeah. in high school yeah. um but i mean even even at the collegiate level my like second year you know a couple of years into being pro maybe it was 2015 or 2014 um or even 2013 i i paced a 5k at the armory and i paced lopez among to like 1308 or 1309 break yeah. the american record it's like it's the yeah. collegiate record is now what what do you run? 1303? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh, w- was, was that at Mil- where, where did you pace it? The at? Columbia Challenge. Oh. <laughs> and they I remember watching that. They just that. flew yeah, in. Yeah. They were fit. They flew in. And yeah. I remember Gags calling me, you want to pace a race? They'll pay you $500 to pace the <laughs> 5K at the Columbia Challenge. I'm like, oh, sweet, 500 bucks to pace some college kids? <laughs> find out it's an American record attempt. I'm like, oh, thanks, Gags. But it was great. Oh, man. But it has redirected attention to events that were previously, I think, pushed to the side. Like, everyone cares about the 5K now in a professional yeah. world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it has gotten so good. It does. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone really cared to this extent. Oh, five, yeah. I mean, it's, it's wild, the yeah. clip that some of these guys are, are running yeah. at now. Yeah. Yeah. It, um... The depth is just insane. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess let's um, let's chat a little bit about um, you know, again, Trav. Like you'd kind of mentioned, like you're working full time, all that sort of stuff. I mean, the mustache really makes you look like a working man. A working man <laughs> right <yeah>. now. <laughs> um, you know, Rob, you've kind of balanced a little bit of a professional life with running from a professional perspective, like. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of chat about how do you guys do that in terms of, you know, kind of life beyond running at the current state, you know, Um, not so much like what's down the line for you, you know, from a retirement perspective, things like that. But like, it's just, it's, it's always interesting to me because you, you know, you look at other major sports, right. And, you know, they're. You know, I don't, uh, to get to the big leagues, like you have to be really good to get to baseball, right? Yeah. You got to be you know, excellent to get into the NFL and things like that. And like, you guys are the equivalent of those type of athletes for our sport. Mm-hmm. But the compensation-wise is not maybe <laughs> you know uh, equal from that perspective. So it's always interesting to me because it's like, oh, you know, people they may see you guys here around Jersey and things like that. And it's like, I don't really know if people understand like the stature that you guys have in our sport. Um, because at the same time you still have to balance like work life, 
to, yeah. to survive. And I mean, Trav, you were living at, at home for quite a, a was, bit yeah. during your professional yeah. career, right? Yeah. And this is a guy that's, you know, basically, I mean, I don't know if we want to call USA's like the World Series just to, or the Super Bowl, but it's like, it's definitely the playoffs, like an equivalent, you know, yeah. from that level. And, um, but yeah, I mean, how did, how do you kind of approach that? I mean, it does, it is a little tough. I think, uh, even, even when you, you are sponsored post collegially, it's mm -hmm. not like all it's cracked up to be because like that job security is non-existent. So mm -hmm. you're always a little stressed and always worried about the future and like a career. Cause it's not like you could finish your professional career like you can in other sports and and have have a couple of years to kind of figure it out when you sit on your on your phones that mm. you've made mm. um you know you're kind of scraping by and for a while there we were on like one year contracts mm -hmm. and they would they would like expire at the end of june from mm -hmm. what i remember mm. so and a lot of times it was like so essentially you're you're running two week a week or two weeks before at usa's mm -hmm. to to earn your next year's pay mm -hmm. hopefully otherwise mm -hmm. you're shit out of luck yeah um so that's tough, um, and, and yeah, maybe it would have been great to just have that job security for six years and train full time and, and just do that, and then you can really focus on a long-term build, because our sport really does require like this long-term kind of plan, whereas a lot, of the, a lot of the times early on, it was just like, you're, you're just trying to prove yourself to earn something, and you, know, you might burn the candle at both ends, and it's, and it's March, mm -hmm. and then you're kind of screwed for outdoors mm -hmm. um, just to earn some money. Um, but then I started to like kind of find more and more balance as, as I went on a, as, as a pro and I found for me having something outside of running really helped me. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I coached at, coached at Holbridge for a while. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I worked here and, um, you know, I took that coaching job series. It was my, mm -hmm. my, my old high school, took it over from my high school coach and, mm -hmm. you know, we had some really good athletes and I think that kind of, uh, kind of built the spark again for me mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, post 2016 trials because I thought I was going to be done after 2016. Yeah, I remember being out there in Eugene yeah. with uh, with you. Yeah. Yeah. So it, those those were tough years and it took me a while to mature because I was just so invested in that performance every mm -hmm. year at USA's and that put so much stress on that performance. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I started coaching and 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 kind of got my love back for the sport, things started progressing a lot, you know, better. And now I'm working, kind of doing the same thing. Um, so yeah, it's. It's about finding a balance and uh, post-collegiate running and, and, and professional running is, is mm. not not all it's worked up to be. Would I change it? No, I think it's been great chasing a passion mm -hmm. um, and uh, and the people you meet along the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Rob, I mean, you've had a little bit of a different kind of on-again, on off-again work yep. situation, right? From You were in the city, right, for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I was in the city... The last two years of NJNY, I was commuting up, um, and I was working like odd jobs. Um, again, trying to find a balance just yeah. to pay rent and yeah. like buy groceries, really, yeah. and just kind of live. And then, pandemic hit. Came home, stayed here in New Jersey, and that's when I started working, and I balanced work and running, but from a remote standpoint. I had, you know, I had flexibility that I, I probably never thought I would have and something I looked for for a really long time. And then what happened after the 21 games, when I missed, I decided I was going to really hang it up. Yeah. 
and was, um, that was a, a lot of uh, emotional draining for you that year too. That was that was a that lot. Was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. I didn't want to go past twenty twenty. Yeah. I had kind of formulated some sort of mental plan that would only get me from twenty seventeen to twenty twenty yeah. and never look past it. Yeah. And then this idea now that all of that would go to waste and kind of be for nothing if I didn't go for 2021, didn't really sit right. So yeah, I worked, worked remotely, trained by myself, ultimately didn't make the games, quit running, and then moved back to the city. And then I was like a full-time like office worker, like had a desk and like didn't really do much. Uh, physically speaking. Um, so at that point, I didn't strike that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, had, you know, there was the phone calls to Trav. But <laughs> I'd rip a run every once in a while and then then decided this work, this job at this time is not for me whatsoever. And so then I rebalanced totally the other <laughs> direction <laughs> and said, screw it. Um, going just just going to go back to running. Um, and so I kind of half-assed some of work, I would say, leading up to Worlds last year, which was a gamble because there was no guarantee that I was making Worlds at all. <laughs> um, and then when that went well, now I feel like pretty good just going full tilt mm-hmm. through, uh, through the summer. So when, um, when the possibility of running for Puerto Rico kind of come up? It's a good question. A a little bit of a process. Yeah, good question. Weird story. It's one of those things that makes me feel like everything kind of does happen for a reason. My dad's childhood best friend, one of them, childhood best friend, um, Billy Kammer, is friends with this other man named Johnny Cruz who's friends with this other guy named Wilfredo Torres. And Wilfredo is best friends with Luis Diepa, who is the president of Puerto Rican track and field. And Diepa basically just like scours the planet for people who like, could represent. Mm-hmm. And so through this like long line of people, Diepa to Wilfredo to Johnny Cruz, who Billy plays drums with in Johnny Cruz's band, to, to Billy, to my dad, to me, just like made a phone call one day and this was like I don't know fall of 2020 it was like prime time it was like do this now because Olympics are coming yeah um does he know a guy that knows a guy like four guys yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and again call Trav and I was like I have this opportunity and no I, I think there was kind of maybe like this undertone on NJNY where like this was an American-based training group and Gags kind of just wanted to coach Americans. And so I felt super weird about it mm-hmm. for, for a couple of reasons, but, and it was kind of around that time where the sports started to change, where you had, what's the army group? Uh, WCAP. Yeah, we had WCAP coming in. There was a lot of movement in those years. Yeah, and everyone they, was switching yeah. around. Yeah. And we had a conversation, Trav and I, and he was just like, just do it. Mm-hmm. You know, people are doing this. The Olympics are a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. And so I flew down to PR, met with the guy, and kind of just transferred that allegiance before that indoor season, thinking, 
that from January to August, like that will be my my last eight months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'll just like sail into the sunset. Right, right, right. <laughs> and that was not the case. You're also just, it's not just a random, you do have also connections to Puerto Rico. No, so yeah, no, like, of course. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. No, yeah. No. yeah. It's not like you just picked a country. Yeah. Right? No, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. You have like to like spin the globe and. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You have to find, you have to have legitimate ties. But it was not something I was really going to pursue. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it kind of just came down to some random phone yeah. call. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and like when you see all this all that movement and it's it slowed a little bit, but you almost just kind of saw the Olympics start to shift more towards just like individual rather than like the country because so many people were changing allegiance all over the place. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the day too, it's like when you if you know you know Rob Rob makes the Olymp Olympic team this year, no <laughs> yeah, one's gonna on wood, yeah. no one's, he goes yeah I'm an Olympian and they're gonna be like from what country? <laughs> <laughs> no one asked that. Right. Right. You're right. an Olympian. Yeah. So. You can tattoo those rings on regardless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's no asterisk underneath that you're yeah. still making, and it's off to hit the qualifying standards and stuff. It's not yeah. like this easy path that it becomes an easy path. It's not. Yeah. Um, so you ran world championships mm -hmm. this past summer. Mm -hmm. um, for those that don't know, that's kind of our... I try to relate it to other sports just so people understand, but it's 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 not it's it's not necessarily the Olympics, but it's in track and field. It's like our yearly Olympics. I feel like like that that for world champs is a pretty big deal. It's a, yeah, it's the same exact pretty much global championships. Yeah, it, it's it's a similar format in terms of how the racing goes, what countries are there to be represented, mm -hmm. what athletes are there. Um, it's a global championship that has. You know, tons of tons of countries. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just a different title than what the Olympics are. Really, that that's what it kind of boils down to. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like for you? Um, you know, obviously physically going through it, but also like like mentally, like when you get on the line and you look down the line and you're like, holy shit, I'm at like the world championships. Yeah. Like These are the best guys in the world in my event. Yeah, no, I mean, like? they, that's, that's it. They were the best in the world. Yeah. And I was super nervous, I mm -hmm. think rightfully so. I felt small, like tiny in this huge stadium, and it felt like I was playing a sport for the first time. Mm -hmm. Like, not just like, you can go to and have like a really great track meet at like a crappy track. Yeah, I mean, like you can just yeah, we've right? done it. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mom's did smile. Yeah, Mom's yeah. smile. <laughs> right? Like, you can have an amazing track yeah. meet. Yeah. But this was like, it felt legitimate and it felt like you were the athlete that like you were saying like the stature of, mm -hmm. of yeah. that kind of athlete for the first time um it was unreal i mean it, it's not something i feel like i can totally describe mm -hmm. it was the ultimate goal right it's just like that everyone looks to do mm -hmm. aside from making an olympic team um it was loud and energetic, and and the irony is we just absolutely jogged. Well, yeah, I mean that's eight. yeah. <coughs> we I championship mean, racing usually. Yeah, but every other heat ran like three thirty three, three thirty two, and we ran yeah. like three fifty. And were you the third? Were you the final heat? No. Okay. No. It was just random. It was just totally random. Yeah. yeah. And so like I lined up to next to Tim Chariot who. Mm -hmm had run like what three he's probably a 329 guy 329 or 228. Like, i mean just like yeah. probably top five heavy hitter in the world yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
and <laughs> oh hey man what's up yeah and yeah. just like i'm just like i i snuck in here basically i was like <laughs> <laughs> it's like the third person third to last person in right, like, right right just like weaseling on that starting line but um yeah i mean it's truly unbelievable it was it was yeah. sweet yeah well i think that that kind of gives you a taste for what hopefully paris will yes will be like yeah. it's and it was totally different mm -hmm. just the savviness of people mm -hmm in lane one and how they race and how they wind up and kick was just, it's just different. Yeah. And it's something I'm glad I experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that like global racing, um, experience is huge yeah. and it's, it's often not found, but yeah, I'm glad I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause it's like, I feel like our sport it's, it's gone in two different directions from a popularity perspective like um participation is is up huge in road racing and things yeah. like that but um you know spectating from a track perspective is really really hard yeah mm -hmm. right and i think get people in person um is hard uh outside of like olympics or you know world champs yeah. type thing but um but it's like at one side of the spectrum you have you know that diamond league type setup or you know meets in europe that are just absolutely you know rowdy mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and then you have very successful like small meets like what what do we gotta <laughs> do here you know um it's just a really interesting dynamic you know um yeah. but i mean from the pros perspective like you know what do you guys see like what environment do you guys feel like you would you enjoy more you know that that kind of like roar of the crowd mm -hmm. or is it more of a homegrown you know grassroots type effort i mean i think just because it's homegrown doesn't mean it can't be like rowdy and stuff in yeah. the crowd i mean i like like the crowd and people that are like knowledgeable about the sport mm -hmm. um then you go over Europe and you run there, it's like completely different. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've, I've raced and paced Milrose a few times. That's always mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. it's, it's awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you feel a little bit more center stage mm -hmm. um, yeah. at, at those bigger meets or around a crowd that's big, close, rowdy and knowledgeable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think th th those are, those are awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, I think there's a certain, comfort in the homegrown meets that mm -hmm. even if they aren't particularly rowdy yeah you can still run really fast yeah. and that in and of itself is a really fun dynamic to yeah. play with like mm. you can just like show up to your backyard track and it's like golden hour in august and it's mm -hmm. calm and quiet and no one's there it's relaxed and you know you're going to run yeah whatever event pace whatever you're running you know you're going to run yeah. really well and then go home afterwards with your friends or something yeah. like right, right. that's really special. I, I think they're just so different. Yeah. yeah. I think like, yeah, you, you want the roar of the crowd at world championships, but mm -hmm. you also want that calm comfort, mm -hmm. you know, and like that Jersey field, right. Mm -hmm. That we've all been at and it's great. Yeah. 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 It's just, I feel like the sport, it's, <clears throat> it's a unique situation because the accessibility mm -hmm. factor too, mm -hmm. You know, so having, you know, pro races be in small environments where, you know, we can stand in lane three and lane four. We can have, 
you know, um, young kids standing in yeah. lane three and lane four and watching pro races. Yeah. And these are the same individuals that are, you know, racing at these big time races. Like, it's a really interesting dynamic in our sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you guys, you know, is it one? It, it's one of those things where that would never happen in any other sport, I feel like. No, I mean, you don't have you professional... Know, backyard baseball. Yeah, you don't have, like, Derek Cole. Yeah, 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 you don't like, have like professional that's baseball players like, come to your local Little League field yeah, and, and, like, play, yeah. you know? But that's what it is. It, it is. is. Yeah. yeah. You know? technically, yeah. like, the yeah. equivalent. Yeah. 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 But, you know... Garrett so. Holt, Cole, like, throwing <laughs> a heater, you know? Just drilling a seven-year-old kid Yeah, exactly. the backstop. Yeah. Like, throwing some chin music or something. Yeah, it's just... It's really interesting to me. Um yeah, because you guys are so accessible, yeah. you know, from a social media perspective and things like that. Um, so one or two more things before we kind of wrap up for the night. Um, but Rob, we uh, we definitely got to mention, you know, the, the Diodora connection here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you know, let's kind of chat a little bit about, you know, um, your connection with the brand Diodora, you're, you're a Diodora athlete mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, how did that kind of all come about? And, um, you know, Petey Fell was in here earlier and, you know, he was, he was, oh, that's about, you know, <laughs> what's special about the brand and uh, yeah, whatever. But, um, but no, let's talk, let's chat a little bit about that. Cause it, you know, again, like you were in a situation where you, you know, you had sponsorship with the team and then this kind of on, off again relationship with you know professional running and mm-hmm. now you're to the point where you do have you know some stability from a brand yeah right so oh, yeah. What, what's that look like it's nice i mean yeah. it's refreshing yeah i think it allows me to do what i need to do and and how this really came about is i knew i had a good story mm-hmm. i knew i had a fair chance at making paris if i started you know right now whenever mm-hmm. this meeting kind of was and I really just, I, I needed a budget to get to Europe. Mm-hmm. I needed to get overseas because that's where the races are good. And um, and so I was searching around for that. And so I got in touch with Diodora and we had a couple preliminary meetings and um, they had they had just signed um, a sprinter, like mm-hmm. a 100 meter sprinter mm-hmm. over in Europe. And they wanted to breach the US distance market. Mm-hmm. They want to create a spike and put out you know, their version of Super Shoe, and mm. we're looking for feedback on things like that. So it was a bit of a mutual kind of uh, dance. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been now with them for a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're a running performance-focused brand, I think, led by people who have done it themselves. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I believe he's a 208 marathoner, Jillian Doberdine. Mm. Mm. Um, over in Italy, he heads like their their athlete manager marketing department. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Olympic Horner, champ, Olympic, yeah, champion Olympic champion, Bo- yeah, Boston, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Boston, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Porner down in in Philly. Like these guys have run at the level or above mm-hmm. that you know Trav and I have. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have someone in your corner that knows the nuances mm-hmm. of professional track and field. Whereas I think sometimes you get people get into like these corporate deals and they're, they're well supported, but mm. I don't think they know the deep down aspect of what it's like to be an athlete and how they need to be supported. And mm. Diodora does that 
great. They mm -hmm. do it just fine. I mean, um, I would not have made Worlds without them. Mm -hmm. No question whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It just would not be possible. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, had to had to get the little brand question <laughs> yeah. in there, you know, there for you our go. guys. So yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, Alrighty, guys. So <clears throat> one question um, that I do uh, ask all the guests that we have on old, uh, you know, podcast of old, podcast of, of new, um, and you can take some time to think about it. This is the the hot topic, the hot the hot seat <laughs> question for you, Rob. Rob has to answer it within five seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob has to answer <laughs> it first. Now. Um, so if both of you, uh, if you each had an opportunity to uh, create a running shoe and name it after yourself, what would it be and why? So you're the product line manager. I'm the product line manager. <laughs> <coughs> Could be anything from a, a spike to a trainer. Okay. But the, the important key is the name and the meaning. Name. Oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> I regret not asking you about this. <laughs> Earlier? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can edit out the blank space. Blank space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just, just put, a, put the Jeopardy put timer on. Cricket, cricket <laughs> yeah, sounds. Yeah, I don't know. I got. Is this like a runner's high interview question? Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is a, this is a, how you decide your employment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a very exclusive place to to work, you know. How? Got anything? Did you think? Okay, we'll 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 do this together for a little bit. Did you think <laughs> of first a spike or a flat or a trainer? A spike. Okay, I did too. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then like kind of like you got to get some type of aggressive word. Dude, yours is so easy. <laughs> yours is. Literally, what you made your brand out of? Yeah, what, the urban. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yours yeah, is so simple. <laughs> you could have stole that for yours, but I'll take it now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the, the urban seaport. Yeah, the urban seaport. That would be a cool spike. Yeah. Urban seaport two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting multiple. I mean, you would hope you're successful. <laughs> yeah. Let's see if I can think one for think of one for you. Yeah, that's actually an interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you had to, if you had to name one after each other. Yeah. Oh well, that's oh, a whole different question. Yeah, Trav yeah. would be like the metronome, <laughs> or like the leader. One time, I tried to lead a rep at NJ and Y like my first practice, and Trav was like, "No." I, that I was. Lead. I always like, I lead the first rep. Yeah. That's, that's my thing. Leads every rep. I'm very. Uh, um, I have a metronome. That could be a good training. That could be good flat. Yeah, it would be a great flat. Okay, so Trav, I gave two to Trav. He's two. Easier. Right. This is great. The, the metronome. Are you going to go frost-related? Oh, well, that's what I was originally thinking, yeah. but it's not so inspiring. Yeah. Mm. I don't think you yeah. want to base a performance shoe on, like, some dumb freshman. <laughs> some noob. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. You can go along the line of how you just, like, how you just send it in races. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Trav always does compliment me on yeah. my abilities. We have so. opposing racing <laughs> oh yeah, no. You sit back and wait for yes. everything to unfold. Yes. And then he's over here. Yeah. You know. Trying to change that. Trying to get a little bit more like Rob. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that's another topic. But it is tough to keep the iron sharp in the sport in racing. But uh, you you do the frost trainer. Frost trainer. Okay. So your introductory shoe. Yeah. Introductory. That's your, that's your yeah. introductory. That's your, hey, I, I'm, your just not, I'm just starting yeah, the There's no carbon plate. Yeah. There's no <laughs> foam. 
Yeah. And then my spike will be, oh, God. I don't know, Trav. <laughs> Just like, you'd be like full send. Yeah. The FS. The FS. There you go. The FS. The full send. The full yeah. send. Yeah, it's okay. Like you can it. leave it in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for the time. I really thank appreciate you. the conversation. And, um, you know, best of luck to both of you as uh, indoors kind of ramps up here. And, um, you know, outdoors is going to be a big one, you know, this year. Yeah. So um, before we let you go, I want to let uh, the people know where to find you on Instagram. Trav? Urban Siebler. <laughs> Rob Napolitano underscore. Is it, is it not Rob is napping? That's no, that was like a Twitter I made. That like haunted me. That followed me for far too long. I, I, that was the first thing I thought of. That's what you. I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know it's like not. A, I know it's not yours. It was like Instagram a freshman year Twitter. Yeah. You know, frosh levels. Sure, for, yeah. Frosh. New, new, new levels. True stuff. to the brand. Yeah, <laughs> true to the brand. True to the brand. There you go. So, alrighty, guys. So uh, that wraps us up for the night. Uh, thank you so much to Rob and to Travis for giving us a bit of their time uh, this evening to share their stories and experiences with the Runnerside family. Um, before we sign off, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with friends and family, and let's keep the momentum rolling here. Until next time, this has been another episode of What's Inside the Box, presented by Runner's High. Thanks, y'all, and we'll catch up next week. Nice. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Greg. Oh, thanks. I hope you guys found that fun. <laughs>